I didn't quite realise the scale of how removed it is from the first well. Okay, I'm not sure if I can say this on, <laughs> on podcast, but have a go. What I do love to do is, um, so down at the, um, at the Grand Central Market... Wasn't expecting to cry, but I did. I, I literally broke down in tears in the back wow. of the car. And... I'll meet you in the lobby podcast with your host, Jacinta Phelan. Hello, and welcome to I'll Meet You in the Lobby. I'm your host, Jacinta Phelan. Today, I have two special guests joining me from Luxury Escapes. First up, we have Chelsea Healy, Head of Brand and Community. Welcome, Chelsea, and, uh, and it's lovely to have you here today. Thanks, Jacinta. It's lovely to be here. Chelsea, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Whilst I was researching you the other day, I was blown away by your entrepreneurial traits, starting from when you were a teenager. I'm fascinated to find out more. You've got our attention now. Tell us the Chelsea Healy story. <laughs> the Chelsea Healy story, it's, it's a really interesting and unique one in the sense that I've had um, a lot of pivots in a really short time, um, but I'm super appreciative for all all stages in that. So I actually grew up in um, Tasmania, so small town. Um, I love Tassie. It's such a great place to grow up. And um, I was all set to study uh, dietetics. I had a real passion for nutrition. Um, somehow my mother convinced me to have a gap year, which I was shocked about. But uh, I wanted to use that time to do something I was really passionate about. And at that time, that was nutrition. So I started up a, uh, a nutrition bar in a small town in Tasmania. And yeah, it, uh, it sort of took over what was expected and, and went really well. And I really enjoyed it. So I continued for that and kept deferring university for a while. And then uh, when I went to sell it, I realized what, what I really loved about it was less about the nutrition and more about the marketing side. And I think it was my accountant who said, you know, you've, you've done a really well at, at selling this probably more than it should have. Um, so uh, I really think you have a knack for marketing and, and being able to create a brand and get people excited about it. So that kind of started that initial thought process around marketing, um, but I still needed to know the the base knowledge of it. So I thought I was already pretty addicted to the business side of things and um, I wanted to get out of Tassie. So I moved to Sydney and started a creative agency called Raw Street, a really small boutique agency um, in the aim of getting across as many industries and as many different marketing tools as I could in a short period of time. So I spent a couple of years in Sydney working with some great clients, both um, domestically and internationally, predominantly in Hong Kong. Um, and yeah, I just, I loved it. I loved every minute of it and learned really fast how to build a brand with limited resources. So working with startups that really had great ideas and great passion, but not necessarily the money behind it. And, and I found a kind of niche to deliver deliver a high, high quality and, and, and really, you know, high touch point um, marketing skill set at a uh, at a low cost so that's kind of where it all started and then I had the great pleasure of uh, meeting our uh, founder at Luxury Escapes Adam Schwab mm -hmm. who initially um, was talking around you know working with my agency and as soon as I got sort of my teeth into the business I realized one what a great opportunity it was but also to how uh, little marketing resources Luxury Escapes had at that time and uh, yeah he convinced me to come over for a while and and try it out. And three and a half year, years later, I'm, I'm still here and absolutely loving it. 
Love that story. I love it. That's terrific. Um, now, what's your favourite destination and why? Oh, this is such a tough one. I think working in tourism, we're so fortunate that travel seems to just pop up all the time. Um, but kind of the unexpected one for me was New Zealand. Um, growing up in Tasmania and obviously being Australian myself, I always assumed New Zealand would be quite familiar and wouldn't be as, um, I suppose, wow factor as some of those international destinations I've been able to travel to. But it really blew my breath away. I've been fortunate to travel there multiple times now for work and it's still my favourite. So what's five things you would suggest for people to do whilst visiting that destination? Um, New Zealand's great in the sense that um, it's actually quite diverse between islands. I'd suggest if you are starting out in Auckland, um, first of all, the culinary scene in Auckland is amazing at the moment. Um, there's a three-hatted restaurant right in the city called Clooney. They really play with theatre and food, and, and I would highly recommend that. And then if you're looking for a day trip, um, you can catch a ferry over from Auckland to Waiheke Island. It is just paradise in a little island. We had the most amazing time there. Um, you can go horse riding uh, in the mountains with amazing views. You can spend a day at a winery, mud brick. Well, a few too many wines were had that day. <laughs> um, but it's absolutely incredible food, incredible wine. Um, and then if you do get a chance to discover more of New Zealand, the South Island is by far my favourite. So um, the Marlborough region, um, you know, Cloudy Bay's home base is there. You've got to visit that. Um, and then right down to Akaroo, which is near Pigeon Bay, which I've never seen scenes like it. It's for me, obviously, Tasmania is such an amazing destination um, for wildlife and um, landscapes. But New Zealand just has that grandeur about it that just took my breath away. So, yeah, if, if you can spend as much time there as possible and, and try and explore whether it's um, hiring a car and, and just driving around to all the all the beautiful mountains, it's it's amazing. Well, you've sold it to me. I would <laughs> love to. I've, I haven't been to New Zealand yet. I've, I've only flown in and out of Auckland, so I, it is. It is next on my list to visit, and it's not far away, is it, from Australia? It's really so not, no. It's, three, it's actually closer to get there than some of our, our states yeah, here in Australia. Yeah, you, you don't get the jet lag. You can hit the ground running. You can, you can. In your opinion, who is doing it well in the travel and tourism industry and why? Uh, it's really tricky. I would probably say um, someone that I really admire, and I've already spoke about this a little mm -hmm. bit, would be Tasmania Tourism. Mm -hmm. um, I think from a destination that's gone from almost a very uncool destination 10 yeah. years ago to now being one of Australia's top places to visit, not only for domestic travellers, but also international guests as well. They've done such a great job at selling what's great about Tasmania and selling the smallness that comes with Tasmania and that boutique feel and the food and wine. Um, so I really commend... Um, Tasmania Tourism on that. And then probably another one, which is a little bit closer to home, we work with them at Luxury Escapes, would be brands such as One and Only. I think um, hotels that are doing more than just a bed in a room, they're a full experience and they really aim at bringing the outside into the hotel. So whether it be their Wagon Valley property in which is so enriched with culture from that area in the Blue Mountains, or whether it be their Mexican pro property in which you can absolutely go to town on amazing experiences from, you know, surfing with a local to, um, you know, the culinary delights that come with Mexico. I think they're doing it really well and hotel brands that are now venturing outside of just being that hotel room experience, I think are always going to be the winners for me. Now, working with brands, mm -hmm. um, what, what are your top tips for anyone who is wanting to promote their brand from scratch and what not to do? 
Yeah, I think um, brands sometimes enter this phase in which they think bigger is better. And I tend to disagree with that, especially in the early stages. Your biggest, most valuable asset is your early adapter customers, and you should treat them as your ambassadors. So often people in a world of influence will go and try and hire the best at brand ambassador or um, the best social influencer. And they kind of miss that your customers are your biggest marketing tool. We're so fortunate at Luxury Escapes to have a really engaged community. Um, and it makes my job incredibly easy because they go and tell absolutely everyone they've found the secret source. And so if you can give them, one, a really great customer experience to talk about right from the get-go, I think travel is such an emotional um, space to work in. And and it, you're essentially making people's dreams come true on a yearly basis that you need to have that personal touch, even if you're an online business. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Our CEO was in customer service for us for the first year. It was absolutely incredible to see. Um, and also leveraging your community um, and their knowledge. So we've recently just started um, some really great Facebook community groups. Mm-hmm. And within the last few months, they've got thousands of followers in which customers are giving other customers advice and they're giving them reviews and they're telling us valuable lessons around what we can improve with our product, what we can improve with our marketing and and painting a picture of who they really are. So definitely leverage your community. Love it. That's that's really great advice. Now, here's a scenario for you. You were going away to Sydney for five days in spring and can only take carry-on luggage with you. What are you going to pack for every occasion? This is tough for me because I am a notorious overpacker. I <laughs> pack way too much. Um, what I've really learned, and I actually translate that into everyday life, is black is key. When it comes to clothing, you can't go wrong with black. Everything matches and it makes that decision process in the morning a little easier. Um, I think with Sydney, though, I have to say uh, a driver's licence. Uh, it's such a diverse destination um, when it comes to you know the north, when you've got the beaches, right through to Bondi to the city um and so definitely try and do that and I think I'd have to even though they're going to take up a bit of space I'd have to put in my runners because uh Sydney is the best place to run I really believe that whether it's on the harbour on the or on the beach and probably just a a classic trench that's so trans-seasonal and you can kind of go from from office chic to cocktails I, look, I totally agree with you, but I have to say I ditch the runners every time. They always <laughs> get in the way and I always think I'd love to take them and I always end up going, what's going to go? And it's the they runners. go. The oh, runners I have go. to say there's been multiple times where I've packed them and not used them, uh, but I, I love running in Sydney. I was there yeah. for a few years prior to moving to Melbourne um, and I was living right on the harbour there. So every morning it was around the opera house and it was Beautiful. such a good way to start the day. Now, what is your most, I ask this all the time because I love this question and what I want to know is what is your most emotional experience on a holiday or work trip um, that you weren't expecting and you were caught by surprise? This one for me is definitely the Masai Mara in Kenya, Africa. Oh, wow. I think um, I always knew Africa would be really special and awe-inspiring but I didn't quite realise the scale of how removed it is from the first world. I think they, you know, when you step out to the Masai Mara, you really are taken back to a completely different world. Mm. I think it really puts things into perspective. We had an interesting trip there last year with Luxury Escapes. We were filming our TV show and we uh, were delighted to say we're staying in in tents and I was a little bit of a wuss. I get very scared. Um, I was by myself and you could hear that, you know, in the the jungle, the lions as you're sleeping, which was just amazing. And then 
we woke up the next day and I was a bit grumpy because I was tired, didn't get much sleep because I was scared. And we got out into a hot air balloon over the Masai Mara and everything went away. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, incredible place. That's incredible. Now, this is the last question, Chelsea. Um, where is your next holiday destination and why? Oh, um, actually, I'm heading off tomorrow Ooh. to Tasmania. Uh, I've talked a lot about Tasmania <laughs> this trip. Um, we're heading off to uh, Sapphire, which is an incredible property down there. It's been on my bucket list for a while now. Um, so I'm taking my partner for his birthday. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait. I love Tassie. And then uh, internationally, I'm uh, next month off to Vietnam uh, with Luxury Escapes, actually, um, for my mother's 50th birthday. Oh, beautiful. That yeah. sounds great. Well, listen, thank you for a fabulous insight today into you, into you and, and the Luxury Escapes brand. We will now go to a short break and I'll be back with our next guest, Sonia Polovska. I'll Meet You in the Lobby is brought to you today by the Pan Pacific Melbourne. The Pan Pacific Melbourne is located near Melbourne's vibrant South Wharf district. Their five-star luxury hotel features a collection of rooms and suites designed for a good night's rest. Taking panoramic views of the city, Port Phillip Bay and the Yarra River from floor to ceiling windows and enjoy their splendid amenities. To find out more, visit www.panpacific.com.au. Next up on I'll Meet You in the Lobby, I'd like to introduce Sonia Polovska, Head of Tours for Luxury Escapes. Sonia, welcome to I'll Meet You in the Lobby. Hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, Sonia. Sonia, you have had an extensive career in the travel industry so far. Can you tell us where it all started for you? Well, um, I actually fell in love with travel as a child. Um, My parents are both Macedonian, so um, I remember as a seven-year-old, they took us back to Macedonia. They'd immigrated to Australia in the 70s. And um, I just remember that feeling of excitement of packing the suitcase as a little girl and um, and going to this faraway land where all of my relatives lived. And um, that kind of spurred the, the travel bug for me. Um, and then uh, after I finished uni and, and, and uh, worked in finance of all, of all oh. gigs, um, I, I fell into travel um, through a client and, uh, and sort of have never looked back since. And that was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, just the love of travel. And I just figured, you you know, um, if you if you do what you love every day, then you're not really working, kind of. <laughs> um, so I went with, with with that theory, and it's worked for me so far. So, what made you, Sonia, get into uh, tours in particular? Well, um, funnily enough, I was never interested in, in touring myself. Um, I loved the, the idea of exploring on my own. Um, but I, uh, I I ran a few incentive trips, and I took some people away on different um, different. Uh, organized trips um, and then I also took some friends through um, through Macedonia and showed them I guess what I discovered and um, and then uh, realized that um, touring had this myth attached to it that it was for old people in large coach uh, groups following someone with a with a flag and you know really impersonal and I figured that tours didn't need to be that. They could be so much more personal. They could be in smaller groups and um, they could really be about exploring a destination. So um, that's kind of how I fell into tours. And um, and yeah, I think it's, uh, it's changed the way that I view travel, but it's also uh, opened up the world to more people who perhaps never thought of touring uh, because it's a different way to travel. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's that's interesting because if anyone is thinking of going on a tour and has never been on one, where would you suggest for them to go and why? Well, I guess um, tours, the, the best way to start, I guess, travelling on a tour is to choose a destination that perhaps you're not comfortable to travel to without someone who knows that destination. So um, we find at Luxury Escapes especially, we find that our more exotic destinations um, are more popular because people feel more comfortable in numbers. And so going on an organised trip where everything's taken care of for you um, is the perfect way to experience a tour, especially for the first time. So I guess somewhere like Morocco or China or places where perhaps English isn't the first language of the locals um, and uh, especially, I guess, for for women, solo travellers especially, um, we find a lot of our, our members who are travelling on their own like to do it on a tour because it's that comfort level as well of knowing that even though you're able to travel on your own, you're also with a group of people. So there's that that safety and numbers feeling. Definitely safe. I agree with the, I agree with the safety side of it, and especially for a solo traveller too, for the first time in a in a country such as Morocco. Um, now, what have have you found is the best time frame to be on a tour? And personally, do you prefer small group tours or larger groups? Well, definitely small group tours. Right. Um, I think. Uh, like I said earlier, that whole uh, myth attached to touring having to be large groups and that impersonal feeling. I think if you're in a small group um, and, you know, our group sizes are a maximum of 16 for that reason, because you still feel like you're travelling with a group of friends um, and you still get to the chance to know everybody, but you don't have that feeling of mass tourism when you're traveling through a destination so you can still get into those little restaurants that are only you know open for the locals or um, a cooking class in in you know nonna's kitchen in a little village in italy um, so those types of experiences that aren't available to larger groups um, appeal to me in small group travel and i guess duration look it's it's all a very personal thing but i think 10 days is a good period of time to allow you to scratch the surface of a destination um, it certainly doesn't show you everything but it gives you a real good taste of it and that way if you do like it you can always go back and do more oh, that's great advice now what is the most unusual tour or destination luxury escapes is currently promoting and what sets it apart from the others I guess the world's become so open and so many destinations are easier to get to than ever. Um, I'm not sure that they're so unusual as such, but I guess unique or exotic places like Madagascar. Um, I mentioned Morocco earlier. Um, Cuba is a, is a great destination to travel to. Uh, you know, the Balkans, Macedonia, uh, Montenegro, Slovenia. These are the types of destinations that we offer that, you know, perhaps you've maybe heard of, maybe not ever heard of before, um, probably never really considered travelling there until you've seen something like a tour put together for you. Great. Now, which country have you travelled to and still want to see more of? That's a really tricky one because um, places I, go to. <laughs> I keep going back to my favourite destinations a lot. But um, I guess the three countries that I can never get enough of um, would have to be Argentina, Turkey and Italy. Um, they're such uh, diverse countries and they offer so much uh, in terms of culinary experiences, adventure travel, um, outdoor uh, activities. So uh, every time I go back, I almost sort of discover something new that I want to go back and explore more of. Oh, sounds lovely. In your experience, uh, do, you, do you prefer to travel solo or, or travelling with someone? 
Um, if I'm traveling for work, definitely solo because I have an agenda that I need to follow and I don't <laughs> need to worry about anyone else being with me. And so it's kind of like a bang, 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 ticking off a list. Um, but if I'm traveling for, for pleasure, then I definitely like to travel with others, um, you know, whether it's in a group or just with my partner. Um, I think it's nice to be able to share those experiences with somebody else. And it also means that, you know, when you're at dinner and you're talking about your day, you're talking with someone who's just experienced that with you as well and you're not waiting to get home or to share it on on Instagram or Facebook and it makes it a little bit more real. No, I agree with you because when I've travelled solo, I've missed that side of it of a night catching up with people. Um, So I do like travelling with someone and having a a little bit of time by myself too, Um, but definitely catching up for a few drinks and something to eat at night to discuss your day. Absolutely. Now, here's a scenario for you. You were going to LA for five days, Sonia, and what are five must-dos that you would suggest that are not touristy related in LA? Oh, that's a tricky one because I guess if you're going for the first time, you do want to tick off all the the tourist things. Um, I guess the first thing would be... uh, Whenever I travel to a new city, I like to do um, a sports event that's relatable to that city, whether it's, um, you know, especially in the US, I mean, yeah. there's such sports, uh, a sports nuts country. So um, I'd probably go to a Lakers game at Staples Centre mm-hmm. um, and I'd probably buy all the bells and whistles of, of what a fan would wear when they're there. Um, in fact, I have done that. So <laughs> that's not probably, it's definitely. Um, I, I like the idea of um, just jumping on a bike and um, riding down Venice Beach and, and people watching I mean it's such a mix of um, eclectic and uh, eclectic people and um, you know you've got the muscle men down at the beach and then you've got the the musicians and the uh, entertainers um, and so I'd definitely love to, to ride the bike down Venice Beach and then stop and grab some poke which um, most people don't know and I, I, it originated in Hawaii but California was actually one of the first places in the world to have poke bars um, I so didn't know that. yeah yeah so it's um it's a great little thing to do is just to grab a poke bowl and sit on the sand and, and do do some more people watching. Um, I think you can't go past uh, a bit of a shop on Rodeo Drive, um, followed by lunch and hopefully sort of, you know, looking out for some famous people. Um, what else would you do? Uh, oh, okay. I'm not sure if I can say this on <laughs> On podcast, but have a go. What I do love to do is um, so down at the um, at the Grand Central Markets um, in downtown LA. There's a little um, cafe called Exlut. <laughs> now um, it's a terrible name, but they have this uh, breakfast dish, and it's 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 called a slut. <laughs> Sorry, but basically it's mashed potato. Uh, in a, in a, it's like a glass jar and it's mashed potato with a poached egg and um, this beautiful cream sauce and then they give you these um, brioche bread fingers and basically you dip it through the egg into the mash and mix it up and it's incredibly tasty terrible name but it's really really good and like sometimes there are cues waiting outside to, to get them but it, it's worth the wait for sure 
Um, so I apologise to anyone who got offended by that word. You you win for the most unusual thing to do on a holiday, I think. Oh, and the, la- and, and the last thing is definitely, um, I guess there's such a big music scene in, in LA. So um, depending on the type of music that you're into, but I always like um, to catch some live music um, at, a, at a live gig down at... Um, uh, on, on Sunset um, Strip, so either at the Roxy Bar or, you know, one of the old sort of old-timers. Um, and if you're after something a bit more classy, I think a, um, a cocktail at the Sky Bar at the Mondrian is definitely a nice way to end the day. Sounds great. I, I'll, I'll take some of those tips, actually, but I have to say, when I've been there, I, I do like going um, for a ride along the, to Venice Beach. Always grab a bike, and I think that's my favourite thing to do down there at Santa Monica. It's, um, it's, it's really great, and there's a lot of different characters you come across along the way, too. <laughs> now, what is your most emotional experience on a holiday or work trip that you've, you weren't expecting and you got caught by surprise? Ooh. Um, uh, this is my favourite question I like to ask. <laughs> well, well, travel, I think, in general can be quite emotional. I think, you know, you, you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. You're doing so many awesome things. Um, I, I think, uh, I guess, two that, that, that jumped to mind. Um, the first one was when I went to Egypt for the first time and I was driving from the airport to the hotel and um, I was sitting in the back of the car and just talking to the driver and I kind of turned to my left and... Um, I got my first side of the pyramids and I'd wanted to go to Egypt since I was a little girl and the whole Cleopatra thing was, was, you know, it fascinated me. Um, and when I saw the pyramids, I wasn't expecting to cry, but I did. I, I literally broke down in tears in the back of the car and my driver got really worried because he'd (laughs) seen me crying and he wasn't sure why. And and I couldn't explain it either, but I think it was just that buildup of finally seeing something that I'd imagined seeing like for my whole life um so that was pretty emotional and then the second thing is probably um uh, doing a a Petra by night walk in Jordan and um so if I can paint a picture for for the listeners um it's it's dark and you're walking down uh this this dirt track and um you're surrounded by um these rock formations and um these huge rock walls and the path is lit only by candlelight so it's it's quite an incredible um sight as it is and it's quite silent you're not you're not really supposed to talk during this walk and as you're walking through you can start as you get closer to the treasury building um you start to hear this music and you're walking through the crevices and all of a sudden um you know about half an hour later just this opening um clears and it's you get this sight of the treasury in front of you and hundreds and hundreds of tea light candles just lighting the face of it and there's this Jordanian man sitting in the middle of it with one of the um, traditional guitars just playing this almost eerie music and I mean I'm getting goosebumps talking about it but um, that feeling of seeing that building for the first time at night uh, just it it literally was breathtaking Um, and I was concerned about seeing it that way and not seeing it in in the daylight would kind of take away but I did it the next morning again um, for the first, well, for the first time in daylight, and it was just as incredible seeing it then. So that's yeah, magnificent. Yeah, pretty emotional. Magnificent. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds that sounds 
like something to definitely do. It's um, something different too. Now, where is your, your your next holiday destination? Well, I'm actually off to Africa on Monday. Oh um, wow! Yeah, so <laughs> amazing. I know. I'm pretty excited. Um, I've I've been to South Africa before, and and I'm I'm going back again. Um, and but this time I'm actually also doing a little trip across to Kenya, and I've not been to Kenya before, oh. so I'm really excited. And I know Chelsea mentioned before that that was one of her sort of most emotional um, uh, emotional trips that she's taken. Mm. Um, I'm excited about the game the game drives um, and. and the safaris but I'm, I'm really excited about um seeing the Maasai tribes people I just I think their their life and their stories are incredible and the beautiful colors of, of the the clothing that they wear and I mean their faces they're incredibly beautiful people um and I'm looking forward to just kind of being amongst that and and experiencing I guess life their way for a little while so um yeah I can't wait sounds fabulous well, there's no mucking around with you girls. You're on the go all the time. Lucky. Um, now, thank you, Sonia. We have enjoyed your company here today, and I'd love to have both you and Chelsea back again on the podcast at some point when you're both idle again here in Melbourne. Uh, that's the end of the show for today. I'm Jacinta Phelan. Thank you for listening, and I'll look forward to meeting you all in the lobby next time. I'll Meet You in the Lobby is proudly brought to you by Five Degree, Australia's number one experts in measuring and improving sales and customer service for its clients. Contact Simon on 0407 002 113 or shoot Simon an email at simon.blair at fivedegrees.com.au and find out how you can improve your customer experience.